Hello, I'm Mike Browning. Welcome to Let God Speak. There are at least two things all human beings experience, life and death. Today in our program, we will focus on the gift of life and the alternative for its inescapable end. The Bible has the answers for us. Folks, on our panel today, we have John Cosmire and we have Stephen Grimm. And gentlemen, we appreciate you coming today to share with us. We'd like to invite everyone to join us in prayer before we open the scripture. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come before you in prayer and pray that your Holy Spirit will lead us as we share together on the panel today and be with those at home who are watching this program. Bless them and open their understanding to the wonderful gift of salvation. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, while we're all enjoying life now, we all know that one day we are all going to be history. That is, unless Jesus intervenes first. Um, so we mightn't like the idea, but it's coming. So, John, I need to, I need us to address a question here today. If you've attended a funeral lately, what was it that went through your mind? as you were listening to that funeral service? Eventually they raised the issue of one day it will be you. That's correct. Or me. Yes. But we have to face our own mortality. And the wise man, he mentioned this in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, reading from the New King James Version, Verse five, for the living know that they will die. But then he says, but the dead know nothing. That's mm. pretty clear, isn't it? <laughs> so that's true. We all know that. Sound fair to you here, Stephen? Definitely not. Ever since sin entered our human experience, uh, nothing is fair anymore. We see the good suffering and we mm. see the wicked prosper. Yeah. And it was something that com uh, completely bothered uh, the psalmist as we turn to Psalm 73. And it says in verse 2 there in Psalm 73 that, As for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. What he's saying here is that he he'd almost lost his Christian experience. Um, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He couldn't realize or understand why these people who are wicked would prosper. And then um, as we go on to verse 12, he says, behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. And he says they prosper, they increase in riches. And then now in verse 13, 40, he's going to compare that to himself. who's trying to live righteously. He says, mm. verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. So we see there that um, nothing's fair in this world. This and confused him. He just didn't know what to make of it. He did didn't he? know. And that's like many people in this world. That mm. I've often heard people express the same sentiments. Mm -hmm. And uh, also as we go to the book of Job in the book before Psalms, he lost everything. 
although he was a very righteous man and, and God even called him perfect, upright, and yeah. he eschewed evil and a man after God's own heart. Okay, so um, let's talk about Job for a minute here because it's a very interesting uh, experience, Job's. Um, we need to talk about what was really going on in his life. And if you'd like to join with me in looking at Job chapter 3, and uh, I'll read verses 1 down to 3 here. <clears throat> it said, After this Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. Now remember, this man's lost everything. He's sick in pain. So he's in a, a quite a state. And Job spoke and said, verse 3 now, May the day perish on which I was born, and the night in which it was said, a male child is conceived. Um, he's in a bad way, um, not even wishing that he'd been born, John. Not surprising. No. He lost uh, 20 members of his family and everything that he had. But we know something that he didn't know. Mm. And that was that there was a battle going on over his life that he knew nothing about. It was much bigger than him, wasn't it? He did not know that God was having a battle with the devil. Mm. And so Job, here in, in chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came amongst them. Verse 11, And here God says to Satan, but now stretch out your hand, touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to know your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power, only do not lay his hand on his person. Okay. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Job knew nothing about that. No, and that's, that's the important point. Um, Job didn't know this. Yes. And he didn't realise the spiritual battle that was going on, and it was focused on his life, which yes. was incredible. So he had no idea about this. So how did he respond to, what was he, to all these amazing losses that he'd had? Yeah. So um, basically in heaven, Satan accused Job of being like a rice Christian, you know, doing things for the benefits he got. Yeah. And God was saying, no, he would be still faithful if you did these things. So when we come down to Job's experience, let's see how he did. If you go to Job chapter 13 and verse 15, he had this um, mindset. He says, though he, the pronoun there is for God, though God slays me, yet I will trust in him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. This is a statement of a man who is maintaining faith um, under extreme duress from the loss of his livestock, his children, servants, and even his good health. Yeah. A tremendous role model for us as Christians. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yes. Um, and he was holding God responsible for all these losses, but he realized that God was, his intentions had to be righteous. Yes. Well, Satan caused it, but God allowed it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's really interesting. All right. Um, so what sustained Job in his trials as basically he saw his own life ebbing away from him, John? Mike, you've got to remember that the story of Job is irrelevant unless we apply it to ourselves. Just like God was having a battle with Satan over Job, 
He has that same battle with the devil over each one of us. And here, Job had lost everything. He was going to die. And then he said in chapter 19, verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at at the last day on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Wow, what a faith. And this is where he was just waiting for God to put him to rest. And then when God comes, to raise him back again. And this is the hope that you have in the Old Testament about dying. Mm. Mm. Now, that's a fantastic hope. And that sustained him. It's just remarkable that he was able to keep his faith in that wonderful promise of the resurrection. Um, This reminds you of something that in the experience of Jesus too, Stephen, because he he talked a lot about resurrection. Yes, he did. And the story is the same in the New Testament. Jesus had um, three friends, Lazarus, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus died. And, And when Jesus eventually came to them after Lazarus had died... Jesus said to um, Martha that your brother, Lazarus, shall rise again. And in the next verse, verse 24, Martha said, adds unto Jesus' statement, says that I know that he, Lazarus, shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So, um, So he includes information about the resurrection in people who will live again. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing is the next verse, Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Yes. He said, you have me with you already. Yes. Uh, and I have that resurrection power even as I walk on the earth. That was a fantastic thing. So, so um, Jesus wasn't restricted to any time frame for raising No, he had the power to raise the dead. Yeah, it was fantastic. All right. Um, Job, of course, we've seen his hope in the resurrection, our Jesus and Martha. Um, but they weren't the only ones who didn't believed in a resurrection. Uh, were they, John? I mean, there were, there were others who did that. Yes. Confident. You can go to Jerusalem and there you've got David's gate and, and David to this day is buried there. Mm-hmm. But what did he say in Psalm 49 and verse 15? But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me. And then the Bible adds a word Seller, S-E-L-A-H. And that word means take note of this. Mm-hmm. And so here's a special emphasis upon, not upon David's death, but upon David's resurrection to come. Yeah, that was fantastic, John. Thank you for that. So can every human being look forward to this experience of being resurrected? Yes, and there's a very good text, John chapter 5, verse 29, that gives us the answer to that. And it says, uh, let's go to verse 28. It says, marvel not at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave shall hear his, that is God's voice, verse 29, and shall come forth. Those who have done good unto the resurrection of life and those who have done evil unto the resurrection of condemnation. So here we see that there's there's two resurrections, resurrection of life to those who have done good Um, And the other one to condemnation, we all want to be raised into the first resurrection. Um, And as we turn to John 3.16, that very good verse there, 
It says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, shall have eternal life. That is, they will be raised um, in the first resurrection. So the key to being having that resurrection to eternal life is accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. OK, thank you. You've made it very plain for us there, Stephen. Thank you for that. Um, it is true that a lot of people trust in a successful life to get them through into eternity. Um, riches have done really well for themselves. And uh, I notice there's a scripture in, in Psalms 49, verse 18, which I want to read, actually. Psalm 49 and verse 18. And here the psalmist is, is uh, making a very interesting comment. Psalms 49 and verse 18 which says, do not be afraid when one becomes rich. This is verse 16. When the glory of his house is increased, for when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. And it's rather interesting. In verse 18, it says, though while he lives, he blesses himself. For men will praise you when you do well for yourself. And you might be apt to think that you are doing pretty well if you've done well in, the, in worldly terms, um, you've, you've prospered financially and uh, you've appeared to be successful. Um, question is, is there any particular advantage in this, John? I'm not quite sure how to answer that because at my age, you're supposed to be old. <laughs> so at what age do you become old? But there's a prayer there. Yeah. And the prayer in Psalm 71 and verse 9, David said, Do not cast me off in the time of my old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. And here is the prayer that you can offer to God that you've helped me through all my life and now when I'm old, don't cast me off. And that was a, a real prayer in those days because today we have pension funds, we have all kinds of facilities to look after the old people. But there were nations on earth that when a person got old, they just took them out, let them die. Yes. They would deliberately kill some people because they were old and no longer of any use. And that's where you need that prayer, if that's your experience. Mm. It's not like ours, where I'm in a retirement village and I'm being looked after very well. So you're prospering, in other words by doing this. Yes. And the reality is that um, the older you get, the more you realise you don't need much extra money. You just don't need it. But then I, I, I think the problem is, is stockpiling money. Mm -hmm. I mean, the answer is, you know, someone said quite rightly that there's no trailers on hearses and the last church has no pocket. <laughs> That's a good So one. we can't take, yeah. you know, wealth with us. No, no, you can't. I, I noticed that Jesus is very, has a very sobering thing to say about people with money. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 23, he says, um, Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which sounds impossible to me, than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus is trying to say that riches actually can be a really big hindrance um, to getting your spiritual life in order. So, um, that was worth exploring just for a moment. Um, okay, Stephen, what, let's get back to the resurrection. What does the hope of the resurrection do for you? 
And to answer that, I'd like to go to 1 John 4.18, if I may. Yes. And it says here that there is no fear in love, but perfect love that we can have in our relationship with Jesus um, casts out fear because fear has torment. He who fears is not made perfect in love. So the, the key to... Um, I mean, it's a terrible thing when we see death coming near, but having relationship with Jesus is what counts because he has the key to death and the grave. If we have that relationship with him, actually death is um, the entrance to eternal life. The next thing we know, in the blink of an eye, we'll be born immortal. Yeah. Even if there's a long gap between the death and resurrection, you won't notice it. We won't notice it. No, that's really good. Five says that. Yeah. Um, thank you, Stephen, for that. You know, many of the Bible writers had quite difficult lives and which made them think about the end of life. Um, I noticed that King David had a difficult life in Psalms chapter 71 and verse 20. Um, he says, uh, and he's praying here, by the way, and it's rather interesting because some of us might have felt like praying a prayer like this. He says, you who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Um, He's talking about the resurrection there as well. So what's holding him together through the difficult times, John? We've already had a look at uh, some of the promises Mm -hmm. that God looks after us. And uh, here in Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, the verse says, Remember your creator, a creator, before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the... Here are pictures of what happens to people as they get older. You know, they're like a, a pitcher that's old and broken and no longer of use or the wheel that is broken at the wall, when the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. And so we can be confident that we are never, ever out of the hand of God. Okay. While we're alive and while we're dead, even though we know nothing, we are still in God's care. Okay, thank you for that. I notice David does a lot of reflecting on his life in Psalm 71, and I'm just going to refer to that for a moment. In Psalm 71, I'm going to read verse 5 and 6 there. And Stephen, I, I'd like you to reflect on these verses after I've read them, if you would. Psalm 71, verse 5 and 6. For you are my hope, O Lord God, and he's praying here. Uh, you are my trust from my youth. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. Um, So what is he saying to us here, Steve? Uh, First of all, I think it would be great if we all had this mindset that that, um, David is reflecting here. David finds comfort in thinking about God's care for him in the past, his birth, his youth. He has found certainty in God as his fortress and, and by saying this, I'm referring back to, of course, verse 3. Verse 3, he, he says, um, be, be my strong habitation, speaking to God, 
whereunto I may continually resort. You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. His whole hope is centered in Christ. Okay, thank you for that. Um, Moving on on a little bit, folks, we'll have to keep going. Um, Solomon, in in the book of Ecclesiastes, talks also about old age, which we just happened to mention there. And uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, there are a couple of verses there I'd like to read um, because he, he, he contemplates age and what it means. And uh, John, in chapter 12 and verse 1, um, he writes, Now remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near, um, when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Um, What does he finally conclude? Because he's talking about age and the deterioration. He goes on to talk about, he's very practical here. Our teeth are deteriorating. Our eyes are deteriorating. Then we come on down and we look at chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. And um, can you share with us there what his conclusion is? Well, first of all, he's contrasting in verse 1 and 2. In verse 1, he's talking about the youth. And then as we come down to verse 5 and 6, he's contrasting that with the elderly. And so the grinders he's talking about um, is talking about the teeth that we lose in our old age. And the dim windows are the eyes that become dim in our old age. And we have to wear stronger glasses that we have. So he's basically saying, as my body wears away, mm. that um, my hope is still in you. He's still got a hope. He still so he's reviewing his life. He's thinking about um, the way God led him from basically from his birth, even his conception. And, and he's still with him in old age. And that's good to know, folks, as you start to get a bit but, but older. W- the most important thing, I think, in the beginning is he's a, his appeal is to remember God mm. while you still... Have, don't have these worries that we have. In okay, old age. before you get to the feebleness of old age. Okay, thank you for that. Now, moving, moving right along, um, our time is getting away from us. Job knew what he believed in, and I'm going to go to Job chapter 14. Um, if we can just turn there quickly. Job chapter 14 and verse 14. Um, Job does a lot of reflecting on life because he sees his life almost passing before him and passing away before him. Job 14, verse 14. And finally, he says, If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed service or my hard service, I will wait till my change come. You will call, I will answer you. You shall have the desire to the work of your hands. So was Job, he was clearly expecting a resurrection here, uh, John. Was he expecting an immediate resurrection? Like he was going to die and then immediately be resurrected? No. Okay. No, because he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. He shall stand at last on the earth. After my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another, how my heart yearns within me. And so... The resurrection did not take place at Job's death. No. And he talked that is about something that he was looking forward to. When his Redeemer would stand on, on the earth, earth. And, and call him forth yes. from the grave. He didn't speak about any specific time there. He just no. says, I know that one day 
That's right. No, it's really, and it's very interesting. So what about life after the resurrection? Will it be different from now, Stephen? What do you think? Oh, most definitely. As a vast we, improvement, in fact. A vast improvement, yes. Yeah. Um, those who have been faithful to him, we, we've seen that, that the hope is in the second coming of Jesus in the first resurrection. Well, everyone will be raised to eternal life. Mm. And this joy is expressed in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 9, where it says, And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is the people that are being resurrected. This is our God. We have waited for him in the grave, mm-hmm. and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Okay, so it's really exciting. And I love this, this statement by the Apostle Paul in First Thessalonians 4, verse 16 and 17, where he says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Yes. And then he deals with the generation still alive. We who are alive and remain are caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So there's a resurrection plainly taught in both Old and New Testaments here. Um, What do you know, John, about the Old Testament in terms of its um, clear description of a similar statement like this one of Paul's? In Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1 or 2, at that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince. Now, according to Daniel chapter 9, the great prince is the Messiah. Jesus himself. Yeah. Jesus himself. And there will be time of trouble such as never was even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. It's at that time your people shall be delivered, not when you die. Mm-hmm. Everyone who's found written in the book and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth, they shall awake. So and so the resurrection is going to raise the people, the righteous people from the dead. Okay, so it's a fantastic time. Our hope is in Jesus. It is. Just very quickly, Daniel 12, two is a good one too. And many of those who sleep in the dust, you just read it, John. Yeah. Some to shame, to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting yes. condemnation. Th- this text reminds me of Mark, uh, sorry, John chapter 5, verse 29. It's a reflection there and showing that, um, that, yes, the destiny of believers and unbelievers is very clear. Mm. So those who have followed Jesus in this life will rise in the first resurrection to eternal life, while those who d- have not accepted Jesus arise to shame and contempt. Okay, so... There's both hope and there's, there's a resurrection, by the way, for both the lost and the saved. Yes. But it's a temporary resurrection for those who are going to be lost because they are raised for judgment, and which is a rather sobering thought. But there's the reality of it just the same. So we have to come to terms with that. Well, folks, we're going to finish there. Uh, Jesus, our Redeemer and life giver, will return to earth in glory one day. We believe it will be soon. And he'll be calling his children from their dusty beds. And uh, friends, he knows your name. You can trust him to call you to a life without end if you entrust your life and if your future to him. Well, we're glad you joined us on Let God Speak today. You can view view all past programs on our website, 3abinaustralia.org.au. Teachers' helps are available there also if you want to use them. You can send an email to us on lgs at 3abinaustralia.org.au. Do join us again and God bless. 
You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.